0: In today's gospel lesson from John's gospel, we read about two different appearances of the risen Lord to his disciples. The first appearance occurs on the Sunday, the day of his resurrection, in the evening. And the second appearance occurs exactly one week later, again on a Sunday, the following Sunday. The second Sunday is referred to by John, as he writes about it, as the eighth day. He came eight days later, which is a euphemism for the eternal kingdom, the eschaton. It is the day beyond the seventh day, the day beyond this created world. It's the day of heaven, the day of eternity. And calling the Sunday, the eighth day, he's trying to help us to see that he's going to be giving us a description, a picture of the church as it gathers together in heaven around the heavenly altar. This is a picture of the community of God, the church on Mount Zion, on the Holy Mount, in heaven, uh, with the disciples, with Jesus in the midst. That's what these stories are about. And that's where we are today. Today is the eighth day. We're not on earth. We're not in Bealton. We're in heaven. We are caught up into the heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm now. And yet, we are still in Bealton too. (laughs) And so were they. We're still in the world, and so were they. In the story, in the story, besides it being the eighth day and Jesus being in the midst passing out miraculous peace, the doors are shut for fear of the Jews. That's the condition of the church. Now, by now the disciples, they had heard the news already at this point of the empty tomb from Peter and John. And John says that even at that point they believed. They had seen the empty tomb and they believed. They heard Mary's encounter with the risen Lord. She gave eyewitness testimony. Mary Magdalene. Equal to the apostles. The first one to preach the resurrection. Mary Magdalene. They heard her encounter. And yet they're still in hiding. Locked behind closed doors. In hiding for fear. They had first witness tes- eyewitness testimony. Empirical evidence. And they even believed. John said. But for all of this they were still... Anxious and afraid. We can see their faith was was in process. It was being developed. Well, here they are locked in this room. As the little church in fear. And Jesus came. And John says, he came and he stood in the midst. Twice this phrase is used. Both appearances. The first and second Sunday. Jesus came and stood in the midst. And showed them his hands and feet. When the risen Lord visited his little church. And he stood in the midst of them. He gave them some gifts. Which are very important to our survival in this world. Also to our enjoyment of his victory over our enemies. He gave them peace. And he breathed on them the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what scholars call the Johannian Pentecost. I'm not going to get into that this morning but... In John's record, it is at this moment he breathes upon them the Holy Spirit, he says, so they could forgive sins. His gift of eternal peace. This is from the Prince of Peace. Now this greeting of peace is more than the pedestrian greeting common among the Hebrews. You know, when a Jew would meet another Jew in the street and say, Shalom Alechem. He wished his brother something he could not have. True everlasting peace in the heart of man was a fantasy. While there is still death. While the demons still roam about. Sowing destruction and despair. While man is still enslaved to sin and the fear of death. There is no peace. That greeting on the street is a fantasy. But now the Lord. The risen Lord. He says peace to you. He says it just having returned from vanquishing hell. He stands before you. With his battle scars of love. And he says peace. And you know the enemy of your soul is destroyed. And there is no more death. And above all the enmity that existed between you and God. Has been abolished. There is forgiveness of sin. And you have peace. Peace. Not with your enemy. No your foot is on the throat of your enemy. It's actually what the Hebrew word for peace means. Your foot is on the throat of your enemy. You have peace with God. When the eternal word speaks peace, just like when he spoke the words that created the world, peace is created, is born, is established into the heart of this new community, into your hearts, into our hearts. Now the peace he gives, at least for the time being, it's not the removal of suffering or struggle, but it is the removal of a guilty conscience. It is the removal of the fear of death. This peace is so powerful that even though we are killed all the day long, it matters not. We have peace with God. And we, like the disciples in that locked room, who are in the presence of the living God, and John says, they are glad, and we are glad. They were cast out of the synagogue. They were killed, and yet they were glad. Because nothing could take away their joy, because Christ is risen. And through his sacrifice has made their peace with God. Well, that's not what I want to talk about this morning. <laughs> I just couldn't resist saying a little something about it. What I really want to focus on this morning is much more simplistic and rudimentary. The risen and glorified God man, he came and he stood in their midst, bodily with the same body that he had taken in the womb of his mother, the Blessed Virgin. The same body, but now immortal. The same body, just transformed. Now, before his resurrection, he got tired, hungry, dirty. He walked along the dusty streets like everyone else. Now, he walks through walls. (laughs) He walks through doors. He traverses great distances, maybe dimensions with ease, and in moments. His body is changed. There's no hunger, no tiredness, and yet he can still eat. He eats fish, eats bread with honey right before them. He still has the marks of his passion. They can touch him, the infinite one, without ceasing to be the infinite one subjected himself to a finite body which was restricted to being in one place at a time. A lot of people don't understand that, by the way. Even after his resurrection, he remains in this finite body. It is less finite than before, but it is still finite. Jesus, even now, even now, While being infinite is not infinite in his body. His body does not exist in all places. It is not omnipresent. He is omnipresent. His body is not. Just to clarify. He came and he stood in their midst. His feet were planted on the ground. The disciples, they touched him. They touched his body. They felt his scars. And then he gave them his peace. And he gave them the spirit. And he breathed on them. And then he left. He walked out of the room. He left them. And they stayed there. And he left. He left the room. And then he waited. He didn't come back. He waited for seven days. For seven days they didn't see him. For seven days he was gone from them. He was not with them. Bodily. And then on the eighth day, he came again in his body, and he stood in their midst, and he pronounced peace again on the following Sunday. On the first Sunday, one of the disciples wasn't there with the group. He missed out on the joy they experienced. He missed out on receiving the peace that Jesus gave to them. He missed out on seeing and hearing and touching the body of the risen Lord. Why? Because he was not there. He did not come. He was absent when the Lord was present. Jesus was in that room and he was not there with Jesus. And he missed out. Just plain and simple as that. Because of his absence, he goes on to declare, very boldly, his unbelief. And to demand proof. Well. Right on cue. The Lord showed up the next Sunday. And this time. Thomas had the good sense to show up too. And Jesus again stood in the midst. And he gave his peace. And Thomas. This time received it. And the Lord then very humbly. On the Lord's part by the way. Very humbly. Acquiesced to Thomas's demand for proof. Out of love and mercy for Thomas. And he invited Thomas to come and touch the wounds. Even to thrust his hand into the hole in his side. It was still a hole in his side. And he said, Thomas, put your finger into the holes in my hands. And thrust your hand into the hole into my side. The side of my body. Put your hand in there, in this hole right here. Where the soldier's lance had created a gaping hole. Out of that side of the master. Of the true Adam was born this little church. Which would become the new mother of the living. Thomas did that. He, he thrust his hand right in the side of the Lord's body. Let that sink in for a minute. The Lord did gently chide Thomas. <laughs> Do not be unbelieving but believing Thomas Thomas shouted out that great line which we still say to this day, which all of you will say with me under your breath as we elevate the Lord's body before us. My Lord and my God. Well, Thomas made up for his unbelief. You know, he went on to be a great, great apostle and martyr for the Lord. The risen Lord is still, even now, In a relatively finite human, albeit glorified body. There's a lot to wrap one's mind around. Now the spirit, having been poured out and into us, communicates and manifests and makes real the presence of Christ. He is in this way the spirit of Jesus, as he is called sometimes in the New Testament. Because he unites us to Jesus, he manifests Jesus And yet this does not undo the fact that Jesus is still in the same body he was in when he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. He's still in that body. It's not an ethereal body existing in all places at once. It is a body which can be either here or there. A body which comes and stands in our midst. Now, he did make a way. He made a special way in which he can be bodily present at many places at one time. Thank God. But even, and this is important, even in this new way of him being bodily present. He's still present in a place, bodily, in a concrete, tangible, bodily way. It's still not sort of ethereal, omnipresent, bodily, in the way that God is omnipresent, In his divinity. In his bodiless way. It's truly him bodily. Mystically present. And that of course is the sacrament. Of his body and blood in the Eucharist. In this way. He can be present in Bealton. On a Sunday morning. While at the same time being present. In Eustis Florida. On this same Sunday morning. At this very moment. But this is the point I want to stress. That he has shown up among us bodily and he is here giving us his peace and pouring out his spirit in a tangible bodily manner so what does this mean why am I emphasizing you this for you well as I said it's a very simple and rudimentary message it means you must show up and be present where he is that's it St. Thomas Thomas St. Thomas, poor St. Thomas. For your benefit, St. Thomas has undergone 2,000 years of humiliation for you. He agreed to it, I'm sure. He willingly. Go ahead. I'll be the scapegoat. 2,000 years of humiliation for missing the Lord's visit to his church on that first Sunday so you wouldn't make the same mistake. Now, this message is not just about convincing you of the importance of being at church on Sunday. Although that cannot be overstated. This is about convincing you of the importance of showing up. And being present. In the presence of the Lord. I can't say anything any more important to you. Or any more basic or rudimentary. Than what I'm telling you. In terms of how to find life how to find God, how to experience the joy of the eternal kingdom. So many times we are struggling with guilt and fear and confusion and lack of direction, lack of peace. And it's simply because we fail to show up and be present. I hope you understand what I mean. Show up and be present. And we wonder why we're lost when we just need to be in the presence of the risen Lord among the community of faith, which is our family, our true family. And this is where he will speak peace into our hearts. But if we absent ourselves, we will miss him. And he might even make us wait a whole week to teach us a lesson. This is good news. Really good news. Take this in the right spirit. Think of it in this way. This is what I'm trying to say to you. You don't need to solve cancer. You don't need to lift a thousand pounds. You don't need to win a spelling bee. As I always say, you don't have to be particularly good looking either. All you have to do is show up. Just show up. And be present. Someone asked me this week, I had a really wonderful conversation. I think God was there in our conversation, and they asked with sincerity a deep, sincere question how, how they could advance in their way toward God. And I said, Show up, just show up and be present. Someone else told me this week. Someone who had been struggling for a very, very long time with faith. Well, this person has been consistently showing up. This person has been consistently showing up and present. Out of faith, mind you. Out of obedience and trust and faith. That obedience and trust down in the lower parts. Not in the upper parts. Not in the emotional section of your soul but down in that section that does what it's supposed to do because you know, you know down here that it's true and right and good, even though up here there's nothing. So they showed up and they showed up and they showed up and they were present. And God rewarded them. What a great joy for me to hear their story. God rewarded them handsomely with a gift of His peace just during Holy Week. God will reward you too because he is a rewarder of those who show up and are present in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardeen Pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia This has been a production of the Orthodox West